So let's see. A few, a few trips ago, we went to Israel, and we were able to get into Bethlehem. It's, it's kind of complicated. It's mostly political, and it's a, it's a long hassle. But we were able to, our, our guide our, and tour uh, bus guy both said, hey, we can get in before it closes. Sun's going down. It'll be worth it. You can get into the church of nativity. Let's go. So I've been there many times, but I'd never been to Bethlehem. It's just too big a hassle. So we got to go in there. We parked about six blocks away from the Church of Nativity, and then a storm just came in out of nowhere, and it was, it was cold and raining, and the wind was blowing so hard that the rain came in sideways. It would sting you, okay? And so we had to go at night now uphill. The whole thing was uphill because the church is on the top of the hill, and and steep hills with cobblestones, and they were slippery, and we had to get there before it closed. So Ray Anderson was on the trip. He took the front, and I took the rear to make sure everybody made it. And, and one, of the, one of our guests with us was, was a, a small uh, woman, and I, I mean like under maybe 90 pounds. And the point is, she didn't weigh enough to fight the wind. <laughs> and so... So we're, she and I are like hiding behind uh, walls and then we'd make a run for it, you know, and I'd, I'd put her in front of me and I would push her up these hills while the wind is coming down. It was kind of cool because she, she prevented me from getting hit by the rain. But anyway, <laughs> and we make it to another place and then that didn't, that didn't work as well as thought. So I, I would grab her hands and I'd walk backwards up these hills because we're, we were going and we got there. You're not going to believe it, but there wasn't much of line. I mean, no one else was there being cold and wet and dark and all. <clears throat> and we saw the church of nativity. And, and what was fun is when we, get, when, we, when we finished, we came out and the storm had passed and the streets were just wet, which meant they, they reflected their glass. And it was beautiful. We saw a tree, a Christmas tree right there in, in the town square. It was awesome. So point is, there's a point here. Why, why'd we do that? Why'd we go to all that work? Go see that church. I'll tell you why. Because you didn't, we didn't want to waste a trip to Israel. We didn't go to Israel to be comfortable, dry, and safe. We went there to see as many sites as we possibly could as, as quickly as possible. Because here's the thing. You only go to on the trip once with most people, and it's a very short trip. You only go once, and it's a very short trip. That's why we did what we did, and we'd do it again. And this is our last week where we look at our biography of, of Peter. Uh, we studied his epistle last semester, and then we're going to look at it again next semester. But I thought in the summer, let's look at his biography. And I thought, if, if I were to invite him into this meeting, what would he say to us? What would he tell us? He'd say this. That old trip to Israel, it's a metaphor. Your life is short, and you only get to live it once. Do not waste your life. Do not waste your life. It's the only life you have, and it's shorter than you think. It is possible to waste your life. It, it is possible to just kind of do whatever's next. Uh, I think Confucius said this. We, we have two lives, and the second one we be, begins when we realize we only have one. The older you get, the faster the sand goes through the hourglass. I mean, I can, like, see eternity from where I am right now. It goes by very quickly, and life is short. It is precious. It is final. Don't waste your life. Don't waste any season of your life. How do you waste your life? It's easy, actually. You just, you just putz around. You just do what's next. 
whatever comes next. In our culture, whatever, you know, it's a pursuit of comfort. It's, com- it's a pursuit of safety. As long as you're comfortable and safe, then, you know, stay in the boat. <laughs> Actually, don't even get on the boat. I know Jesus is out there, but he's dangerous. You know, just stay, dist- you got to stay busy. You got to stay distracted because if you're not, you're going to have a moment to think that life is short and precious and final. So keep up with the putzing. Keep busy and just do what nets. But how do you not waste your life? How do you live a purposeful life? How do you live a life like you know how things are going and where they end up? How do you live that life? How do you not waste your life? Well, what if we could bring the Apostle Peter in to this conversation and say, well, uh, how, how have you reflected this in your life? How are we supposed to live? And what, are, what should be our motive for living that way? Peter's done that. Peter has communicated clearly to us how we are to live our lives so that it's not wasted and why we are to live our lives that way. What we're supposed to do and then why, what motivates us, what fuels us to keep doing it when we don't want to, okay? So Peter's already said that, the what and the whys of life. To, let's look first at the what. What are we supposed to do? He says this in his first epistle. He says it early on because he wants us to know this is why you exist, to make Yahweh famous, to make Yahweh famous. Look what he says in verse 9. He says, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, here's, your, here's what you're doing. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. There's our what. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to make God famous. That's what one scholar called show others the goodness of God. Make him famous. We have this this rank, this, this order where a royal priest and being a royal priest means one, we have a lifestyle we need to live that's like a royal priest. And two, we have a cause, a purpose, a thing to do. And we get, we get this message from heaven that literally transforms human souls. And who gets to be the, the, the delivery boys and girls of that message? We do. Every believer is a minister. Every believer is a minister. And every season of life that we come into, every season of life gives us a whole new opportunity to find out like, what it means to grow to become like Christ in all of life, to, to be a priest, a royal priest. That's a lifestyle, becoming like Christ in all of life. Every season gives us a new opportunity to make God famous because we, we have an influence in this new season of life that we didn't have in the previous one because things have changed. We have been, <laughs> look at this passage, it says we have been authorized by God. We have been called by God to show him off. Peter's saying, don't waste your rank you're a royal priest, you've got, you've got opportunities that people haven't had in the, in the past. This is why you live deeply committed, spiritual, holy lives, because that's what a royal priest would do. That's why, that's, that's why you would learn to obey all that he's commanded, right? And later on, where it says it wouldn't be burdensome to you. He says that's what priests do, make Yahweh famous. You make Yahweh famous by explaining who he is and the things that he has done. 
the essence, the elemental essence of an unwasted life is this, it's choices. It's, it's the choices we make. Every choice we make, we show the heavenlies what is the most valuable, most precious thing in our life. That's how we make him famous. That's how we show off. We, so we like our, our possessions, our stuff, all, this, all these, we, we, with our choices, we say, this isn't the most important to me. Yahweh is. Jesus Christ and him resurrected. That's the most important to me. And so this is being used to that end. I can joyfully use these things as a means. Everything is a means. Don't make me choose between a friendship and Jesus, a family and following Jesus, and holiness and being a priest. (laughs) Because I'll choose what's most valuable, and Jesus is the most valuable. He's he is cherished in my soul. That's how I live a, way, a, a life that's not wasted. Let me, like, here's another way to put it. The reason we exist, the reason we're here right now is to become like Christ in all of life and to make God famous. We're, we're, we're showing off that the highest treasure in our value system is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the God of the Bible. And that's, that's the reason we exist. He called us out of darkness into his wonderful light so that we can declare his awesomeness. And we're given this title, we're given this purpose, this job, and we're, we're supposed to have this attitude. We've talked about it before, like we're on call, always looking for opportunities. Like, you know, we're like a police officer that's always looking for ways to help and serve, right? Someone's down on your block, that's in your precinct, that's your ministry. You go and help them because you're on call. That's your flock. Congratulations. You've just become the shepherd of that sheep. You're on call. That's how we live. Constantly looking for opportunities to grow, become like Christ in all of life, and and opportunities to make God famous. That's the how part that Peter talks about. How do you live a life that's not wasted? What about the why? (laughs) Because we run on, we are energized by the why. Why, why would you continually grow and become like Christ in all of life? I found that to be painful, mostly humiliating, becoming like Christ. Uh, why, would you, why would you try to make God famous in every opportunity that you could? I have found that to be somewhat expensive. Why do you keep doing that? Let's ask Peter. And what's interesting about Peter is there's this passionate sense of urgency about everything he does because he knows this is our only trip and it's short. This this radical, passionate sense of urgency. Why does Peter do what he does? Well, we'll look at the last book in the last chapter. These are the last words of the apostle Peter. He's telling us, why he does what he does, why we should do what we do. He says this. I love it. It starts off great, beloved. I love you guys, my beloved. This is now my second letter that I'm writing you. And in both of them, here's my point. I'm trying to, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of just a reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of our Lord and Savior through his apostles. Here's what they, this is what I'm reminding you, this is what they told you about, that the day of the Lord will come like a thief. 
The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The day of the Lord is the last, sometimes it's called the last day. It's the return of Jesus Christ is the first part of that. It's the final judgment, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done in, on it will be exposed. Now, look at what he says. Now, since all these things are, are, are thus to be dissolved, everything's going to melt, what sort of people ought you be in lives of holiness and godliness? You mean like Christ in all of life? Yeah, that's what I meant, okay? Okay, we're waiting for the hastening of the coming of the day of the Lord because of which heavens because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn but according to his promise we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth which will, which is where the righteousness dwells <laughs> so everything's going to burn it's all going to melt he's saying so that's why you are to live your life like a holy priest. You're part of a royal priesthood. Act like a royal priest. Make him famous because everything that's physical is going to no longer exist, and we're going to remake everything, and all that matters. He keeps going on there. Look what he says in 14. Therefore, beloved, since we are waiting for this day, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace like Christ in all of life, <laughs> because it's coming soon. It could happen any moment. He goes on, verse, the last verse, he said, this is it. This is how he finishes. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Do you see what Peter is saying? He's saying, look, look, look. Peter, Peter's here and he's like, look, you have... you." Don't waste your precious life. It is the only life you have, and it comes by really fast. So you should have an, 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 a radical commitment to holiness, purity, spotlessness, without wrinkle, holy in that day. Conform to the image of Jesus. You should also be doing everything you can to make Christ famous. That should be your first value. And why? Because it's coming sooner than you think. It's coming faster, and by it, it, I mean it all burns. It all burns. The only thing that is going to last, he says, is works done in your life. What works? Your works of participating with the Spirit to become like Christ, to be conformed to his image, and your works to make him famous. Peter's saying, you're going to be home a lot sooner than you think, or he'll be returning like a thief in the night. That's the fuel you run on. You work backwards from there. That's how it all ends. That's the way it works. And so live that way. And if you look at Peter's life, you know, we've been studying the gospels in Peter's life. And I, what I'd like to do now is like, okay, take in these two values of how we're supposed to live so it's not wasted and what motivates us to live that way because of the final judgment of God. I want you to see how that projects onto Peter now. This is the way he lived his life. Acts chapter 2, 
That's, there's a story that it's called Pentecost. It's a, a Jewish holiday. It's the, it's the first fruits. In other words, the first fruits of salvation are the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is coming down on people. And, it, and this, this just miracle takes place that people are to, quote, declare the wonders of God, declare the wonders of God, make God famous. They were able to declare the, the wonders of God to people so that people could hear it in their own dialect. So this, this, this miracle of being able to hear the wonders of God being proclaimed is taking place. And people don't know what's happening. And so, like, what are, we, what are we to make of this? This is what it says. I'll just quote from the passage here, Acts chapter 2, verse 14. You know, like, what are we to make of this? And then somebody starts making fun of these people and saying, I think they're all drunk. So Peter, being Peter, stands up and, because of the way God made him. And then Peter stood up for the eleven. He stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. My fellow Jews and you who here that are living in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully for what I say. These people aren't drunk because it's just nine in the morning. I love that. It's like, it's too early to be drunk. Not to later. Well, anyway, just, that's, his, that's his reason. It's too early. Anyway, now he says, now this is what's been spoken from the prophet Joel. Joel. And then he gives a barn burner of a sermon, just kind of going through all Old Testament history and how God has worked, who he is and what he's done from the book of Joel. The theme of the book of the Joel is the day of the Lord. It's repeated throughout the book of Joel more than any other book. And it's a minor prophet. The book of Joel, he, he says, because the day of the Lord is upon us, the day of judgment. This is it. This is how we keep score. This is the day we keep score on whether or not you're living like a royal priest and whether or not you're doing the actions of a royal priest. And people were cut to a quick 3,000 come to the Lord that day. Peter was basically saying, don't waste your lives. These are the last days. It's coming soon. Become like Christ in all of life. Make him famous. Acts chapter 3, always on call. Peter and John are going into the temple like they always do, and there's a man at the steps. Like He's always been there. He's born lame. His legs don't work, and Peter and John are going into the temple to pray, and the lame man's looking at him, eyes touched, like, okay, I need some money. How about you give me some money? And Peter looks at him because he's on call. He understands the moment of time that he's living in, that he's a royal priest, and he's always looking for opportunities to make God famous, and he says, look at me. And the, and the lame person looks at him like, oh, this guy's going to give me some money. And Peter says, gold and silver we do not have, but we have this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up. And they reach down and they grab his hand and they pick him up and he can walk. He's healed. It doesn't end there. He goes into the temple area and it says he's shouting and dancing and jumping. I mean, he's doing that whole whatever, Irish dancing. I'm sure it was Irish dancing because that's what God would like most from someone who was dead from the legs down. And the point was, is he was glorifying God with the way God had worked in his life. Don't waste your life. You're always on call. There's so many ministry opportunities right in front of us, royal priests. We are all royal priests. We all have these opportunities to make God famous. Here's why. He's coming back. And then there's judgment day. And it's sooner than you think. It's the only life you have. Here's a story. It's a true one. You're not, it's a true one. It's in the Bible, okay? Peter was at some big event, 
and they, it was like a dinner. Let's just call it a dinner party. It's a big dinner party. And, and, he, and they're, they're having like uh, bacon-wrapped shrimp, okay? That's a Jewish diet. Those bacon and shrimp are against the rules. But, you know, that doesn't apply anymore that the gospel's taking place. And this guy, being raised a Jew, has just grabbed the platter of bacon-wrapped shrimp, and he's over here just stuffing his mouth. And he's hanging out with his non-Jewish Christian friends, and they're yucking it up and talking. And then, a, and then a, a, a pack of Jewish believers walk in. And Peter looks at them, and he's like, uh-oh, kind of like the cool kids. I don't know. But he, he's now, he's, now he's got to choose. He thinks he has to choose. And so he just, like, stuffs the rest of the shrimp in his pockets and then chokes it down and then looks at the Jewish guys and says, Shalom, my brothers. It's all good. And kind of and pushed away the non-Jewish Christians. And... <laughs> And Paul watched the whole thing happen. The Apostle Paul watched the whole thing happen. So Paul, because it was so egregious, he goes over and confronts Peter in front of everyone and saying, look, 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 those those dietary laws that belong to the nation of Israel don't apply anymore. And what you're doing right here, you're making these non-Jewish believers feel like a second-class kind of believers in front of these Jewish believers. And that's just heresy. So calls him down in front of everybody. And poor Peter, I mean, I don't know, I might be projecting, but I think he was just trying to be liked, you know. He was just trying to be social. I'll bet his mom at three years old would tell Peter, Peter, the rest of your life, you're going to have to struggle with this. You're going to have to trust God to not care what other people think. And this was a moment where he cared way too much. This, (laughs) I don't know how... I don't know how you're doing about failing, but I mean, this is a spectacular failure, okay? It's it's in front of both sets of friends while Paul is watching, and the duplicitous conduct is so, it's such a violation to the theology of grace that the story takes up half a chapter in epistle. In epistle, in the Bible, this story is a half a chapter, Peter messing up so badly. I don't know how your last failure was, but I don't think it made it to Holy Writ, and we're still reading about it. That's how bad. Now, what, here's, the, here's the part that I'm trying to bring to. What did Peter do? What did Peter do? Just in the mood of this iconic failure. He got back up. He got back up. If you do ministry... Failing is the easy part. It's getting back up. There are so many people that don't get back up for a number of reasons. Peter gets back up because he doesn't want to waste his life on the ground. He doesn't want to waste his, his, his time, his precious time licking his wounds. So I'm just telling you if, you, if you catch this idea that you, as a believer, you're a minister, that you're a royal priest, and you find yourself like, I want to make God famous somewhere, and you do that either church or outside of church, maybe at your gym or work or getting involved in your kid's school in some that way, I'm going to tell you, you're going to fail. And that's not the issue. It's whether or not you're going to get back up. Don't waste another minute on pity. Get back up. And the other part of Peter's experience here is becoming like Christ in all of life. You know, I'm just going to project and say or assume this is his bent. It seems to be this is his bent, wanting to be liked. And you know what happens when you have a bent? 
It just keeps coming back up over and over again, wanting to be liked, or anger, or jealousy, or, or uh, anxiety, or needing to be appreciated, whatever that is, I, I'll bet an insightful parent could tell you that was the crack, that was the bend. I could see it when you were two to five. But I wanna tell you something, it's not going away. It won't get straightened. That's what you carry, or that's what you leave behind. But I know when you fail in one area over and over and over again, there comes a time where you say, I'm, I'm just gonna stay down and then I won't, have, I won't be able to fall. And Peter would tell you, you gotta get back up. You gotta, you gotta get back up. You can't waste your life. You gotta become like Christ in all of life again. Just go another round at this, become maybe born again, again, in this aspect of your life. That's what we're to do. Don't waste your life. Don't waste the moments in life. This is our Kairos moment. Grace, look, we're, this is a season, a summer to give because we don't want to miss this. And we want to, we want to proclaim that Jesus is more valuable than our, than our assets. That we're, we're going into a fall of service because we want to show that we would rather serve than putz around. I'd rather serve the church than sleep in. I'd rather serve my brothers and sisters by taking care of their child or teaching a class because that's the gift I have. I'd rather do that than putts. I'm not living for comfort and pleasure, a little bit of safety here and here. Who's got time for that? We're going to invite people because, you know what? Prayer, care, share, that's what royal priests do. And as royal priests, we can't, we can't waste that rank. We can't just let it go. The unwasted life is showing that every decision is making Yahweh, Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Father who rules, the, the highest value in your life. Don't make me choose between you and him because I'll choose him. That's what it's about. It's our first love. It's our call. Once upon a time... Boy, I just say once upon a time because it sounds like a fairy tale, but it's not a fairy tale. It's a true story, but it just once upon a time, there was a baby boy born a Jew, which meant he was born into either slavery or to death. And then his mother, in an act of faith, in trusting God, manipulated and was able to do things so that this newborn was exposed to the king's daughter, that she might find him attractive. And she did. And she took that little baby home to dad, the king, and said, can I keep it? <laughs> like a stray kitten. Can I keep him, dad? And the Pharaoh said, yes. And Moses became the household of Pharaoh. Boom. He made it. He was safe. He could live comfortably. He had an education like, like few times in world history. He was exposed to this private education. He had a, a wealth that was more than any sheik or king in the Middle East today. His comfort levels, we can't imagine that. And safety, yeah, yeah, yeah. Under the blanket of Pharaoh, that boy, that man was safe. All he had to do is live life, have fun, putts until he died. <laughs> never a threat, never a concern, just live that dream. But Moses didn't want to waste his life. 
It was his only life. And it happens pretty fast. And so he gave all of that up. He showed with his choices what his highest value was. And his highest value was, I'm with Yahweh and his people. And so he forfeited that great wealth, and he squandered the authority that he could have had, and he sacrificed comfort and safety. Why? Why? I don't have to speculate. I'll just read from the Bible. It says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the sons of Pharaoh's daughter, but he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeing pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of heaven. He showed his values in his choices, but why? Why did he do it? Because he was looking ahead towards his reward. The last days, the day of the Lord, that day. That's what he was thinking about. He figured out how this ends and how we keep score at the end and then work backwards from there. So he didn't forfeit any wealth. It says in the promises of God that like, he's going to get paid back that thousand, a hundredfold, the wealth he, quote, squandered or forfeited. He didn't squander his authority. Jesus says, if you can be trusted with the little stuff here, I'm going to trust you with a lot of stuff after that day. It didn't cost. His decisions were an investment. And he got a really good return on that investment. Every saint, if they could come up here and grab a microphone, they'd say this, do not waste your life. It's short. And then you live with it forever. So, how should you live? Become like Christ in all of life. Learn to obey all that he's commanded and not be obligatory. And then make him famous. Show the world that he's the highest thing in your value. And if ever a time when you grow weary, just remember, just like that, the rocks will melt and the oceans will burn and then that day. I'll tell you this. Let me just summarize. There's no such thing as sacrificing for Jesus. There's none. There's no such thing. It doesn't even make sense. Every act of generosity will, will, will be rewarded multiple times over. Every act of suffering will be rewarded multiple times over. I'll just say it like this. I'll just do some math out loud. You don't pay the price for obedience. You pay the price for compromise. You, you pay a high price for putzing. That's expensive. Every decision has a price tag, and you don't know what the, the tag says until after that day, the day of the Lord. And Peter and Moses and the saints of the Bible, the promises are in there saying, this is how they keep score. This is why the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this is what will matter. And so some little girl staying after class to straighten up before she comes out of the church, that's getting noticed. Some teenager getting pummeled at school for defending Christ in the classroom or in the hallway. People are taking notes in heaven. Husband caring for his wife that's slipping, and he's all by himself, but he's not. 
because he's acting like Christ in that season of life. Some missionaries, they, their, whole, their whole careers can be fit into a thimble in this life. But they're going to need a big dump truck when they get to heaven after that day. And that's the, that's the reward they'll receive. Parents just trying to model biblical Christianity in front of their children. Those who are persecuted, those who are martyred, they are not wasting their life. Not on that day. Not on that day of judgment when all things are made right. Jesus promises this. I'll read it. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory and with his angels and he will reward every person according to what he has done. I'm here on the behalf of Peter and Moses and every other saint to say, do not grow weary in doing good. Don't waste your life. Be the royal priest that you've already been declared to be. Act that way. Do those deeds because we'll be home soon. And when you see the scars in his hands, you'll be glad to have done what you did. Paul put it like this. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that it was to be revealed to us on that day. Let's be that type of church, Grace. Let's be that type of church. Lord Jesus, we're, what would we, if we didn't have the word of God, we would not know how it ends, how to keep score, what we should do next. We would squander our lives in ignorance. And here we are. Words open to us, Lord, I'd, I'd ask your spirit would scar these truths into our souls so that we might regularly Look for opportunities to declare to angels and demons what is the most precious, most valuable thing in my life. Lord, I'd ask that you'd help us see us for who you say that we are, royal priests. That would we become like the royal priest in all of life and that we would do the royal priestly things, even if it's a simple thing, for the glory of God. We long for that day. Come, Lord Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.